All right, everybody stand up today. Would you, now that you're all comfortable and seated, won't you stand up just for a minute? And uh, I want to talk to you today about something out of Genesis I've never preached on. And uh, Carrie and I were talking yesterday. They were up here getting uh, the, the suitcases ready for Cuba. And uh, I told Carrie, I said, I have to get back and uh, uh, finish my sermon. He said, you got 9,000 of them. Why do you have to finish the sermon? And I said, well, I like to do something new that the Lord put on my heart. And he put something on my heart just lately. And it's very easy when I preach about once a year or something to preach because I used to do this every Sunday. And I used to, Jasmine used to know this, I used to stay up late on Sunday night because I feel like that was the only really release time I had because when Monday morning hit, uh, what fell on me was I got to preach next Sunday. So I have to start preparing for next Sunday. And I'll tell you one thing that I appreciate. How many appreciate Ben's depth that he gives every Sunday after Sunday? And having done it for about 40-some years, I'm going to tell you, it is not easy. It's a load, and I appreciate the effort that he puts in when he seeks the Lord in it. And uh, I always do this. I always love to study and to know the Word of God. The thing that I hated worse than anything in life was speaking. <laughs> How many do not like to speak in front of people? How many say, they say that's worse than death for most people. And uh, because when I was young, I had a speech impediment, and there's still uh, words I cannot say. So I never use them when I speak, and whenever I try, it's very complicated. But uh, I do love to study, and I feel like the Lord put something on my heart, which is easy for me about a couple weeks ago. And so I had weeks and weeks to prepare for this, and easier than doing it week after week after week. But what got me this week was in Genesis chapter 16, she gave the name to the Lord, now, this is this woman who I'll tell you who she is in just a moment. She is, well, I'll tell you, she is the grandmother of the Arab people. Now, most of you may not know this if you don't travel the world very much. Uh, not every Arab is a Muslim. You need to know that. Not every Arab is a Muslim. Uh, somehow we get that in our brains that every, you know, every Arab is a Muslim. That's not true. It, it's, it's, it, it's not true. It's like not every American is a Christian. And uh, she is the mother who gives the name of God, who gives God this name, is the mother of the Arab people. That's who this, that's who names God. The only one time in the Bible that he, he has named this the mother of the Arab people names God this. And here's what she says. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. And so I want to talk to you today about this theme, the God who sees me. Everybody say amen today. Would you say amen? Father, we love you with all our hearts. We ask you to open our hearts to receive the word. It's not a novel. It's not a book. Lord, it's not just some regular that we can just read and enjoy. But, Lord, it takes a revelation. So we pray today, open our hearts that we can receive the word, Lord. Let it be engrafted into our hearts, not just hearers that walk away and forget what we heard. But, Lord, people that receive the word with, with a good heart. And it brings forth a hundredfold today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hey Amen. Look at somebody and say, have you lost a little bit of weight? Look at somebody right beside and say, have you lost a little bit of weight? A young boy went with his father one time to a cornfield and uh, the neighbor's cornfield. And his father gave him the sack. He wanted him to hold the bag while they stole their neighbor's corn. 
And uh, the little boy said he never forgot. He said the father climbed up on the fence and looked all around, looked to the north, looked to the south, looked to the east, looked to the west, and, and just to make sure there was nobody looking. And just as he got down, the little boy said uh, he tugged at his father's uh, shirt sleeves and said, Dad, you forgot to look up. Everybody say the God who sees me. I remember when I first started pastoring here back in the late 70s, I I remember how God at times would just uh, reveal to me that he was he saw me. I remember one time I was coming. uh, We used to live out in Central and I was driving to church. And uh, I remember we used to I used to come early. So Jasmine would come later in the car with the kids. And I was by myself. I mean, it was very peaceful. Hallelujah. It was very peaceful. And uh, and we were driving to church. And uh, I, mean, I was driving to church, and I remember I came to a red light, and I'll never forget this. I stopped, and I was looking over, and I saw a, a tree, and a bird died and fell out of the tree and hit the ground and just laid there. And that scripture came to me, that not one sparrow falls to the ground without your father, uh, not only seeing it, but being there. And I just, how many know just a season when you know, hey, God is, God, I, God's here, because he said he, not one of those fall to the ground without him seeing it. I remember one time uh, when I, the first year that I took over the church, I got tired and I decided uh, I borrowed my brother's car because mine was not uh, reliable enough to get me where I wanted to go. So I was going down to the end of Florida. And I remember I drove, I drove all the way over to Tallahassee, made the panhandle, made, then I turned, made the turn down about, and I was about 30, 40 minutes uh, down, uh, you know, the turnpike. And I remember I got hungry and I got off the interstate and uh, back in that day, you didn't have as much, you know, what was, what was where. So I just got off. There was not, there was nothing right by the interstate. So I drove down the side road about a couple miles looking for a restaurant. And I remember about two or three miles down the road, I found a restaurant. So I pulled in, uh, parked my car, got out, went over, sat at the counter and ordered my breakfast. And just when I finished ordering my breakfast, somebody in the back and sitting somewhere else says, why, Terry Workman, what are you doing here? How many know God sees us everywhere? One of the concepts I like about God seeing is, is the idea of the eyes of the Lord. And uh, every time I get a trip to Israel, I love to go to Israel because of Deuteronomy Chapter 11, verse 12 says this. It is a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to the end. I remember I used to go to the first time I went to Israel. I said, God is looking. God is looking. God looks at this land from the beginning of the end to the, uh, to the, end, uh, the, beginning to the end of the year. I like Proverbs uh, 5 says the next scripture. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Look at Proverbs 5.21. For your ways are in full view of the Lord, for he examines all your paths. Psalms 121. I love what it says here. He will not allow your foot to slip. He will keep you. uh, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. How many know that God never closes his eyes? He doesn't sleep. And the good thing about heaven is the Bible says in heaven, there's no more night. So none of us will sleep. And enjoy your sleeping while you're down here, because when you get to heaven, there is no more sleeping. There's no more night. 
And God never closes his eyes. God is always looking. He's not slumbering. I remember my dad said when he uh, worked at Olin Corporation, they, you know, he worked shift work. And one night he said they were in there working. And one of the guys, you know, he just couldn't do it. He just fell asleep. And one of the big bosses walked in the, the control room while this guy was sound asleep. And, and, and uh, he heard the guy walk, the boss walk right up to this guy sleeping. And uh, he went, <clears throat> and uh, the guy that was sleeping looked, saw this. He said, amen, Lord, thank you. He raised his head like that. When Ben was five years old, the pastor, Pastor Ben, when he was five years old, I used to preach a conference down in San Diego, California. And uh, he was five years old, and there was a lot of youth that came to this conference. And I remember that he wanted to go with the big boys, uh, the teenagers, and go somewhere. And so uh, I always, you know, I always liked giving them challenges. And so I wasn't comfortable, so I said, sure, go ahead. Well, what he didn't know was, as I let him go, I hid behind one tree after another tree watching him. <laughs> The whole way. And there was never a time that he was not seen. And, uh, but the, God sees you. He never closes his eyes. He's always looking at you. I love this uh, on, the, on the concept of the eyes of the Lord. Uh, God has no problem with his eyes. There's all kinds of eye problems. There are cataracts, glaucoma, macular degeneration, stigmatism, far and nearsightedness, blindness, detached retina, color blindness, lazy eye floaters, blurred vision, double vision, dyslexia. Come on, somebody. God suffers from none of those. He has 20-20 x-ray, microscopic, telescopic vision. God can see him. He's the God who sees me. Everybody say amen. Amen. Now, the Hebrew name that this woman, this, this, uh, this mother of the Arab nations uh, called God was the name El-Rohi or Rohi. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the Hebrew name, El-Rohi. And it's amazing because there's a very similar name that's just one Hebrew letter different. And it's pronounced, though, in the English the same way, El-Rohi, is, is uh, the Lord my shepherd in Psalms 23. And I love it because they're so close together is because the concept of God watching us is that he's not some big bully with a, with a big club watching you, waiting for you to make your first mistake and then going to club you with it. That's not the concept of the God who sees me. The concept of the God who sees me is a God who looks through the lens of Calvary, who looks through the lens of the grace of God. And, and, and for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he looks through us and he guides us and protects us as a shepherd does. Uh, Stephen being stoned when the Bible says he looked up to heaven and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. My pastor before me, Randy Bonacarso, used to say, well, how could he be seated anymore? He was being stoned because he was watching Stephen. He was seeing Stephen not only saw him, but Jesus saw Stephen. The Bible says he was standing. And, and the God who sees me is, is this, this first time it's, he's called El-Rohi is found in Genesis chapter 16. It's the revelation of the name came in this chapter. And I want to read it to you in beginning at verse 1. Now, Sarah, who became later Sarah and Abraham, but now their names were Sarah and Abram, wife, had borne him no children. Been 10 years since God had told them they were going to have children, but 10 years later, nothing had happened. So she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, and she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children, even though he said we were. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram said, Okay, I'll do that. 
So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah's wife took an Egyptian slave, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. And that was common practice how they did in that day. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Now, I want you to notice this. Sarah now is going to blame Abraham for her idea. We just had a marriage conference, so we, we worked on this. Sarah said to Abraham, you, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. You, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows that she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And uh, your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. And Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. She fled. Now, this is a bad day for Hagar. She had gotten pregnant. She's happy uh, with all the, uh, the things that would come with pregnancy. But she is beginning to be mistreated by Sarah, and she runs away, and she goes into the desert. She's from Egypt. When they were in Egypt, that's where they picked up this slave. And uh, she now runs away, runs into the desert, running back home, and she literally is going there to die. And it's when she is at this point that God appears to her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar. And when that says the angel of the Lord, if you'll notice, the word Lord is capitalized. It's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is the, that is the, 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 the highest name of God. You'll see L-O-R-D, little O, little R, little D. In your Bible, when you're reading that, that means just, it means a lower case. But when it's all capitalized, that means it is the, the, the most reverent name of God. And the angel of the Lord is that this is the same angel that wrestled with Jacob, the same angel that Abraham uh, uh, debated with over the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, how many people is in it. None other than this. Listen, the angel of the Lord is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It was it was a pre-incarnate. In fact, when you read it, uh, one time Jesus was sitting with a group of Jews and he says, uh, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they asked him, you've seen Abraham? And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Come on, somebody. And then he, he speaks about it. I mean, he talks about it. In fact, the book of, of Micah 5 and 2 says, uh, Thou Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands out of Judea, out of thee shall he come forth, whose goings forth have been up from old. Bethlehem, he said, Bethlehem, though thou be little among, his goings forth have been from old. Long before Jesus ever came as a baby in, in a manger, he was the angel of the Lord. He appeared over and over throughout the Old Testament. And uh, I love this because he comes to her, the mother of the Arab nations. She has been mistreated by the people who knew God. And yet here comes Jesus on the scene. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur, which was heading back toward Egypt. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah. So he knows who she is. He's not, he says, where have you come from? And, and, and one Hebrew scholar says it, it, it has the concept of where has the Lord brought you from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. How many know that probably didn't bless her, you know, her socks? The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. So she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And this is given to a woman 
that is so in a twisted, um, dark time of her life that she literally was pregnant. She'd ran away. She's in a desert. She's about to die. And uh, the angel of Jesus, the angel of the Lord, appears to her and speaks to her. And the revelation that she gets in her darkest moment of her life, probably until then, was that she that God saw her. And let me tell you, the revelation is not that God sees. The revelation is not that God cares. The revelation is not that God loves. The revelation is that God sees you. I've now seen the God who sees me. The revelation is when you see the God who sees you. It's when you see that God loves you. When you see that God knows you. I love First uh, John chapter 4 says it this way. We have come to know... <clears throat> And have believed the love God has for us. We've come to know and believe. See, one of the hardest things, I had somebody come to me and says, why does God love me? I said, I don't have one clue. I don't have a clue why he loves you. I just know that he loves you. I just know that he cares about you. I just know. And, and so John says, we had to, we, there were a time when we didn't know this and we didn't believe this. We had to come to know it and then to believe it. And so in your life, you've got to come to a place and a time when you know it and you believe. There's a revelation occurs that God loves you. Why? I don't have a, I don't have a clue. But he loves you. And John says, we came and we knew this. So we, we serve a God who sees us. When you get that revelation that he sees you, and not only El-Rohi is, is the God who sees, but also El-Rohi, the God, my shepherd. That he sees you for the purpose of loving you, directing you, guiding you. Uh, uh, love. And so I love what Matthew 6 says. You begin to get this concept about what God, his eyesight and his vision. So that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret. How many know that God sees what is done in secret? He sees what is done in secret will reward you. Look at the next one. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret. He sees what is done in secret. Look at the next one. So that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret Real reward you. Everybody say amen, amen. So you get to the point where, there, where you begin to understand the eyes of the Lord. That we are in full view. That God sees us. There were many people in the Bible that came to this conclusion. You remember when Saul was on his road to Damascus and God knocked him down. And he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth. And this realization came on Saul. He saw everything I've been doing. He knows everything I've been doing. And I love this. I'm going to give you a few of these men. First one is Nathaniel. <clears throat> I love this one. This is in John chapter 1. This is Philip. Philip has met the Messiah. And Philip goes and he finds Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And I want you to notice his prejudice and his stereotyping right off the bat. Because you can have these things in your life and still be a very honest, 
integral person without guile. But he's, he stereotypes Jesus, and, and he's prejudiced against anybody from Nazareth. And this is what he says. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, well, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed. Now, just stay right here just a minute. In whom there's no deceit. Now, just think, he'd just, he'd just been stereotyping people. He'd just been, you know, prejudiced. And when he appears, the first comment Jesus makes about him, you know, Jesus knows everything. Jesus could have said, well, I heard what you said. He does. He said, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And, you know, sometimes when people, some of the people that just come out with stuff, like Peter, they're just no, they're just no, you know. How many know people that everything in them is written on their face? You just know, you just know, you know everything they're feeling. You know what they're thinking. It's right there on their face. There's no deceit. And so Jesus looks at him and says, well, look here. Here's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel then, that's what Nathaniel says. How do you know me? He said, how do you know there? How do you know that about my character? How do you know I'm not a deceitful person? Jesus said, now here, here is, this, I always call this, he's like he's talking to, to uh, Nathaniel in code. You ever been around somebody and you can tell you're out of the story? There's, there's a lot more to the story than you know. And they're saying things to each other. And you don't want to pry in and you don't want to ask. <clears throat> but you can tell there's a whole lot more to this story than, than, than what's going on. And so he said, how do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. <laughs> and then you're, whatever, whatever that was, we don't have a clue, but whatever it had to do, had to do something with honesty. It had to do something with integrity. It had to do something with deceitfulness. When I first started pastoring a church here, I was 23 years old. And I remember my, the first week of my pastoring, uh, some guy had come in and needed a, something, and I'd given somebody else's name, said, call so-and-so, they could probably help you. Well, that person called me and said, did you give that person uh, my name, I mean, my number? And uh, uh, technically, I said no, and technically it was true, but, but wholeheartedly it was a lie. Come on, somebody, you know what I mean? And I, I said no, and I hung up the phone. Well... You talk about, my old pastor used to tell me, it's easier to sleep with a wet dog than a guilty conscience. And I sat there in my chair and I said, I better call him back. And I said, no, you drive to his house. How many know that was a long drive? How many know the drive back was a lot easier than drive out that, out that way? And I went and said, I said, I got to tell you, I lied. That, that was not true. I did give your name. I, I apologize. I said, and I repent. I said, would you forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you. We're driving back was a whole lot easier. Well, whatever had transpired under this under this tree had to do with he, the, the God who sees me, and Nathaniel realizes God sees me. God no, God sees me. And he said, Thou art thou art the, the rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus answered to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said, Truly, I said to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Remember, Jacob had had that vision, and I, that's a whole different sermon in itself. But it's amazing. If you would just study that. And uh, Jesus, Jesus uh, deals with his honesty. I love the disciples on the boat. There was one time when Jesus made them get in a boat, go to the other side. The Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long and about 8 miles wide. 
Jesus puts them in a boat. They take off. He goes back up on the land, goes up in a mountain, begins to pray. This is in the middle of the night. It's in the, really the, 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 the darkest part of the night. And a storm hits. It's raging. It's storming. It's, it's you know, it, it, it's all this. And it's the middle of the night. It's storming. And I love what it says about it. It says, he said to them, truly, I, I'm sorry, uh, you'll see the heavens up. Go to the next scripture. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And leaving them, he went up to a mountain to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. So it's eight miles wide. That means he was at least four miles from them. What's four miles from here? Anybody know what's four miles from here? How far is Denham from here? About Denham, maybe somewhere like Denham Springs, something like that. About four, about four miles. And he went late that night. He was in the middle of the lake. They were in the middle of the lake. He was alone on the land. And he saw. Everybody say he saw. Four miles. Storming. Middle of the night. Didn't have binoculars back then. He saw them straining at the oars. He saw them in the difficulty they were in. He saw them. He, listen, I don't care what it is you're going through. He sees you. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care what's going on. He saw them four, over four miles away through a storm and the darkest part of the night. He saw them straining at their oars. One time he was sitting with his, with his uh, disciples near the treasury in uh, the temple. And the lady didn't know it then, but she knows it now. Look at this. It says... Um, Go on to the next scripture. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a, a, a certain poor widow putting in two mites, which is a penny. And he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. And the amazing thing, for all of these out of their abundance have put it in for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. And I want you to get this because... She was just sitting, just a normal day, and she's putting in just two mites. And the Bible says she had no clue that the God of the universe was watching what she was doing and getting excited about what she was doing. And the disciple, he, I mean, I would have loved to have had a picture of the disciple's face because he turned every, every, uh, every idea they had upside down. Because they're watching this and, and this huge, huge amounts are going in. And this little widow comes by and puts in like a penny. <laughs> he gets all excited about it. And she had no clue that, she was, that God was watching. There are times, listen, when you give, I've learned this, especially when you give to help other people and you give to help the poor. Listen, there's a God in the universe. The Bible says, he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay. My Jasmine's grandfather, um, on her mother's side, uh, when they would go, uh, 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 Naomi, which is Jasmine's mom, she was uh, the, uh, they had five children. One, a little boy, uh, died young, but they had four sisters, and they were four young. And their father... Uh, his name was Samuel, right? And, and he would, he was a character of character. One time I was at his house in, in Beirut, Lebanon, and I was opening his camp. He was a Sunday school teacher, and he loved to teach. And I looked out, there was a big mask of Charlie Chaplin. I mean, he loved to, he loved to use props and everything. 
And, uh, but, he, but he would do the most unusual things. He wrote the entire Bible out uh, by hand, he and his, his, a New Testament, he and his wife. He had the entire Bible written by customers. He made him write the scripture. He had the entire Bible written by customers that come in his shop. He's a sign maker. On his house, he used to put big, big scriptures around his house. Repent, you know, or burn, turn, and, and, and all these. And it was called the Jesus house. But one of the things he would do is he would, when he was coming home a lot of times, if he saw somebody, a beggar, somebody, he'd get them and bring them home with him to supper. And Jazz's mom said, we'd never know who we would always look out the window to see daddy, who daddy was bringing home with him today. He that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. So she never knew that. I love Hebrews 6.10 says it this way. God's not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and you do minister. One of the harder ones was Peter. Luke 22. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus, as, was, as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. How many know that was a revelation day? He saw me. He goes out and repents. Recently, God reminded me again, I, I, how many of you love rainbows? How many love to see a rainbow? You love to see a rainbow? The rest of you lying. Everybody loves to see a rainbow. And I used to, because Genesis 9, when the first time a rainbow ever appeared, because it had never rained till now, when the bow in the cloud, when, when the bow is in the cloud, then I will look, notice what it says, when the rainbow is in the cloud, God says, I will look. Because whenever I see a rainbow, I never think about me seeing it as much as who else is seeing it, who's looking at it. And you understand that nobody sees a rainbow the same. Did you know that you see it through the prism of the raindrops? And if you're two feet this way from a person that's two feet this way from you, that you see differently because of, of, the, of the angle of the colors. And so you see something different. But it doesn't really affect me as much as I understand. Whenever I see a rainbow, I know someone else is looking at that rainbow. And God said, when I, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and it's called the Noahic covenant. And every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. That God said, I will never again flood the earth. The other, uh, a few weeks ago, that's why I did this message. A few weeks ago, I had to drive up North Louisiana after church on Sunday. And I was driving back and it was one of those stormy days. I had cut through the uh, baker and I was going to Denham. And I was going back a uh, side road. And I remember this, this, uh, uh, there was a huge rainbow, gorgeous rainbow. And I'm driving through these thick trees along the road, and all of a sudden, the rain, I've never had this happen, the rainbow came through the trees and splashed all over my truck. I've never had a rainbow, I've never in my life had a rainbow. All the colors just splashed on my truck. My kids told me I was a leprechaun. They don't know, they don't know where the gold was, and so. <laughs> but when that happened, it was like, okay, okay God, he looks at the rainbow. And then a couple of weeks ago, I had pulled in uh, to the church, and uh, somebody had thrown, you know how they throw trash out. So I stopped up front near the Flannery Road to, to, to pick, you know, I was going to pick up the trash and just put it back in my trailer and uh, clean up the front. And all of a sudden, I heard this wheel screeching and horns blasting, and a car is, is sliding, and it slides into the parking lot of the church. It's like it decided to turn all of a sudden into the parking lot of the church, and the cars behind it had to hit their brakes and slide. So, so I said, what? In, and so I jumped back, although the car comes right by me. And so this guy gets out. He's got gold teeth. 
uh, you know, I look at him. I said, oh, no, it's a church. You know, I've done this for years. So I started feeling for my wallet, you know, da, da, da. Well, he comes and says, uh, I saw you just a second, and God told me to stop and give you and tell you that he loves you and that he's taking care of everything. That's all. Just got back in his car, drove right on up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I went, you've got to be kidding me. So, how many say he's a God who sees? Now, ending up today, I, I love Isaiah. How, how can you... How can you um, how can you know that God sees you? Isaiah 66 in verse 7 says this. But to this one, I will look. But to this one, I will look. To him who is humble and of contrite spirit and who trembles at my... This is the one. And, and the word look there in the, in the Hebrew, it's an intense look. It, 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 in the Hebrew language, it, it, if, you, if you knew, it, it meant who, uh, to this one, I will intently look. I love it. It says, suggest one gazed upon, uh, regarded with pleasure, uh, shown grace and cared for. Who is the one that I will get that, that intense look? And it says, number one is, it says, um, the one that's humble. And humility is not thinking that you're a dirty dog. Humility is thinking of yourself rightly. It's, it's, it's getting down off the throne. Humility is to think of yourself rightly. Get down off the throne and know that God is on the throne and not us. And you, and you do that. And, and so how do, you get, how, do you get, how do you get that look? How do you get that look from God? One, you humble yourself. Two is the Bible says you, um, you, you're contrite of spirit. And that means you're broken. That means you don't get proud. That means you don't get cynical. You know, one of the hardest things I've did and really dealt with my heart is getting older in the Lord is not become cynical. Because you, you see how everything works. You know everything. You, you get all that. I just made it my heart. I was not going to be a cynical person. I was not going to say, well, you know, I, I know. I, 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 just, I just gave. I said, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to deal with my heart, Lord. I will not. And uh, I remember William Booth one time was talking to a bunch of of, of, of uh very strong-willed evangelists, but they were ineffective. And his, his sermon was, try tears. Won't you try tears? You know, tears washes your soul a lot of time. When tears come, like the physical tears, wash as they wash your eyes, the tears of your heart, it washes your heart away, and so you can do that. And then the last one is, trembles at his word. And... Uh, you know, when you begin to obey the word and you let the word of God dwell in you richly. But I want to do this. I've got, I wanted to do a bit. How many of you ever have watched some of The Chosen, the series called The Chosen? Just, in, just okay, a few of you have. This is a series uh, based on the uh, uh, scriptures. And it, I really enjoy it. You have to, I always said this. I know how to eat, uh, I know how to eat fish and spit out the bones. Come on, everybody understand that? I can, I can eat fish and spit out bones. And so they, they do just what I do sometimes. They link things together sometimes and take suppositions. And, uh, you know, and if I don't like it, I just spit it out. If I don't, I like it. But I love this one because here's the last one we're going to end with this morning. This is, this is somebody sort of like Hagar. Hagar was not, not only not a Hebrew, she was the mother of the Arab nations. And Jesus comes to her and she has that revelation that he sees me. He sees me. And this is a woman who is a Samaritan. And she, the bad thing is, the Samaritans were not 
received by the, the Jews. The Jews hated the Samaritans, said they weren't real Jew, they, they're just they're half breed there and so they they just rejected the samaritans <laughs> the bad thing is this woman was also this woman was rejected by the samaritans <laughs> she she not only you know she only was she's a samaritan she was rejected by the samaritans would not even anything to do with her because she'd been married a number of times she'd been through this and that and uh, this is the scene where she comes to the well one day and when you read the scriptures, it says, and Jesus, it, when he finishes this, right before this story, he says, he must, he must go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. And he goes through Samaria just like he found centuries before he was ever born. He was going forth as the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate, uh, you know, Jesus. Just as he found Hagar and found her who was you know, out in the desert, and she was a nobody. Jesus comes and finds a nobody that even the Samaritans wouldn't even associate with. And I love this one because she has a revelation. He sees me. Watch this. We're going to close. Won't you stand up today and close your eyes? Maybe you're here today and you feel like the woman at the well. Maybe you're like Hagar. Maybe in a dark time. I asked Nick and them if they would come. And let's do that last song again. Uh, that uh, no matter where we are, God chases after us. He sees us. He does it not to hit us over the head with a big hammer. He does it because he loves us. To bring us to himself. He says he only chastises us so that we can stay in the family as children and, and love us. Let's lift our voices one more time. Come on.